I remember a very specific car ride where I just was out on my own and I drove to a park in a nearby town and I just sat and just wept and I said, God, I don't know what you expect me to do. You can you can find us a house tomorrow. You're God. Mm -hmm. I know you can and you're not. Mm -hmm. So what does that mean? Where, mm -hmm. where does that leave us? And best case scenario, it leaves us turning to him. Welcome to Stories of Hope in Hard Times, the show that explores how people endure and even thrive in difficult times, all with God's help. I'm your host, Tamara K. Anderson. Join me on a journey to find inspiring stories of hope and wisdom learned in life's hardest moments. My guest today is an author, Bible teacher, writer, listener, and follower of Jesus who cares deeply about church unity, church history, everyone reading God's word and engaging with others. She is the author of the award-winning Not All Who Wander Spiritually Are Lost. Her next offering, Shaky Ground, What to Do After the Bottom Drops Out, is written for Christians and the spiritually curious who wonder how a life built on Christ's solid ground can make a real difference in our lives and in our communities and churches. A native of Missouri, she now lives with her family of three in Southwest Michigan. I am pleased to welcome Tracy Rhodes. Tracy, are you ready to share your story of hope? I am ready. Thank you for having me. Oh, Look forward it, to it. It is an honor to have you on the podcast. Now, um, one of the funny things that's kind of cool that we can break the ice with is you had a really interesting experience shortly after moving to Michigan about some cows that got out. <laughs> oh, yes. We, I, I grew up in, um, in the country in a rural area in Missouri, but we did not have farm animals. And my husband grew up in a small town in Michigan and was not, far, you know, farmland either. And so when we moved out here, 2013, I, I knew country living, I knew dirt roads and I knew, you know, solitary living and that kind of stuff, but our neighbors did have cows. And so we were getting used to being here. I don't know, we, I bet we'd only been here three or four months and our neighbor called my husband and said, my cows have gotten out. Could you help me round them up? And being neighborly, he was like, yeah, of course. He gets off the phone and he turns to me and he goes, I don't know how to do that. <laughs> but he had it out and since then has kind of figured out how to help a neighbor who has lost their farm animals. But yeah, we've come a long way. You know, that, that's, that's part of being uh, a Christian neighbor though, right? Is, is loving and helping and serving, even if you have no idea what you're yes. doing, right? Sometimes you make it up. Yes. Sure. <laughs> I love that. Sometimes you make it up. It's so true. <laughs> you know, and there's also something to be said about um, following impressions. Sometimes I know that sometimes I felt impressed. You need to go visit this person. And I'm like, okay, God, I don't know why, mm -hmm. <laughs> but it's yes. kind of like you said, sometimes you just make it up. You show up on the front porch. Hi. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it, it's part of, uh, being part of God's family is he's aware of the needs of, of all his children, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Um, 
My goodness. So why don't you quickly just take me through your journey of uh, growing up and, and how you gained such a love of so many different Christian faiths? Okay. I grew up in a little country church that was Southern Baptist, and it was a very good church experience. Um, I memorized a lot of Bible verses. I had so many mentors in the faith um, that, that loved me and loved my entire family. It's very small community, so we all knew one another and were neighbors um, in actuality, too. And I also grew up down the road or up the road, depending on which direction you were going, from a Methodist church. And it was another very small country church. I, when I write about it, I often call it the church who never locked her doors because they didn't. And I would play in that church. And when they had vacation Bible school, I would attend there as well. And I was in their Christmas um, plays. And so just a very... I idyllic um, church going experience. But as I look back, especially as I write about my childhood experience, I realized that it was somewhat limited in, in what I would allow myself to learn. There were some man-made boxes um, that existed in that childhood experience. And Went off to college. I took a humanities slash philosophy class that I thought would be dangerous, but actually cracked my world wide open. Um, I was best friends in high school, still a very precious family to me with a girl who um, is devout Catholic. And I moved to St. Louis, which is a town named after a saint. And so all of these different experiences opened me up to a bigger body of Christ. And in 2014, I started writing online and partnering with that writing. I started reading extensively and being approached by different authors to read their books, et cetera. It just all kind of grew organically, I guess, together. And I just became ravenous for what for what I was learning and all of the new things and a Christianity that had existed for thousands and thousands of years, not just in the Bible that I knew very well, but in church history and around the world and in Episcopalian churches and in um, Lutheran churches. And I have yet to get enough of that. Mm. <laughs> I um, just spend most of my days uh, having conversations about the wider body of Christ, uh, still continue to read voraciously, um, have partnered with many different authors, uh, writing about their church experiences and sharing my own. So yeah, it's just become a very sweet spot in my life and in my heart. Um, I, I no longer just see Christianity one way. I see it lots and lots of ways. And all of those ways show me a clearer picture of who Christ was and is in our lives. So yeah, it's been, it's been very exciting, fulfilling. And I love that I get to relay that now in my own writing to readers. Yeah. So 
your new book mm-hmm. is called Shaky Ground. Why don't you kind of back up and say why you why you called your book by this title? Yeah, the the journey to a book title is pretty fun <laughs> because it actual this book actually started out as the idea of having a spiritual toolbox. And within that toolbox, there are different habits, practices, disciplines, they're called different things that help us solidify our faith, that help us grow in Christ, that establish this kind of daily and yearly rhythm to following Jesus. But these things, these practices, and certainly Jesus don't change Mm. And, and they're solid and we can rely on these things to put on the armor of God, if you will, again and again in our lives. And so from there, shaky ground, what to do after the bottom drops out. Yeah. But it gave me a very good focus. Um, you know, spiritual toolbox kind of covered a, a very wide spectrum of the things that we do in life to practice our faith. But this gave me a, it honed in that focus on when we really need it. You know, when the world would leave us spiraling and when we may not have real specific answers, often we're taken by surprise whenever these shaky ground times happen. And so it, it softened my heart a lot to, how and why these practices were important, not just a checklist, you know, not just, this is what good Christians do, but they are our lifeline to to Jesus. And and that's absolutely how I feel about each practice that, that I mentioned and unpack in the book. They have been my own lifeline and those of the, the godly mentors that I've had along the way as well. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I know you shall share several stories in the book, but is there one in particular where you felt you were at a shaky ground moment when the grounded perhaps dropped out from under you and you discovered how important a lifeline these tools are? I mentioned that we live out um, on a piece of property in rural Michigan. We had moved out of the Detroit area and my husband was working elsewhere. And so we knew we would not keep that house, but it was in the middle of um, a not good housing market. And so mm-hmm. it took us a couple years to sell that house. And we had gone about six and a half years without living anywhere that was truly our own. Mm. And so we purchased this piece of land and it had been along six years, you know, new, new place. Um, I'd had a daughter in that time period and just so many, so many emotions and so many, why God, you know, why isn't your timing here yet? There've been houses we looked at that fell through, et cetera. And I remember standing on this very piece of property where I'm giving the interview today. And I was standing on top of a hill that overlooks our pond and some of the other hills of the property. And I felt God whisper to my spirit, you'll heal here. Mm. And I can still, 
I can still very vividly remember and hear uh, that, that still voice. But then as I was writing the essay, I realized, and I, I think the line that I say in that essay is healing has layers. Yes. And I realized that not only was I going to heal from those six and a half years, I had also gone through a tragedy, uh, losing my father in 2006. And within that happening, we also ended up selling a family property that had been in our family in Missouri for three, three generations, four generations. And we were the ones who ended up um, having to sell that for different financial reasons. And so I realized that this property where I am now would also piece together those parts of my heart too, that, that longed for that childhood home that I no longer had. Um, so that particular essay falls under the category of silence in the book. Mm -hmm. But I also, and I, there's an essay in the book called Fluidity, and that was a running theme. I, I didn't feel like I could write that essay talking about silence without talking about prayer and the fact that we're in conversation with God. And then also um, there, there was scripture that poured into that process that was part of the healing. And so that, that was a neat thing that I saw as I was writing the book was that realization that as we do these spiritual practices, they often do blend into one another. Are we yes. being silent before God or are we listening to God, which is a form of prayer, both, you know? Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah, the many spiritual practices poured into that process, but that's probably the story that, that I felt like opened the book. Well, Yes, it sure did. And, and I think we all have moments where we ask those why questions of God, you know, I I'm doing my best and things just are not falling into place the way I'd like them to. And those are hard moments to, to kind of hit. Uh, some of us hit rock bottom. And, I, and so I love that subtitle of your book, What to Do When the Bottom Drops Out, because so many people hit that rock bottom point and, and they're probably on rock bottom going, how did I end up here, God? I, I'm trying my best to be true. I'm trying my best to be faithful. And um, it's interesting that we learn so much <laughs> on, at rock bottom. You know, sometimes we have to get that low so that we can build a firm foundation then, you know, yeah. on the rock of Christ so that, that we're stronger, but, oh, the process of getting to rock bottom is sure not fun. <laughs> well, and nobody, you don't want the hard lessons that do teach you a lot. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's unfortunately, you know, the, the way that it works, um, another essay that I have in the book, I interviewed an individual named Kevin who had unspeakable things happen to him in his childhood and into his young adult life. And the te our tendency is to want to speak to someone like Kevin and drop off a Bible verse or two, you know, well, mm -hmm. you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you, you know, yes. and I mean, you even smile when you say it. And interacting with Kevin, we, we did an interview as well. 
really taught me and made me examine how do you best minister to Kevin? How, how do you interview him with him in a way that honors what happened to him? Doesn't ignore it because it happened. And, And so that was, you know, the interview itself kind of dives into some of that. And then, um, I wrote a little bit more beyond what the, he was kind enough to let me do use a transcript, um, in its entirety, um, for the book. But yeah, we, you know, whether it's us or whether it's somebody else that we love, um, and the, and the bottom drops out, gosh, we don't know what to do. You know, those, uh, we're Mm -hmm. not trained on how to do that. And again, I think that's where these rhythms of spiritual practices can help us respond better ourselves. It can help us respond to others in those situations better. It's just a huge part of making us more Christ-like. Yes, you're absolutely right. It is. And and I think that's the whole process. That's the reason sometimes why we have rock bottom moments is Christ hit rock bottom too. And so if we truly want to minister like him, sometimes we have to spend a little time in, in a place where we gain more empathy. Maybe that's the right word. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And that even though our situations may not be exactly spot on, that we can still love and help and be his hands to others mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. when they're in those, those hard, hard times. Are there any phrases or, or things you've learned as you have ministered to those who are on shaky ground, as you would say? <laughs> the first thing that comes to mind is don't say any phrases at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, and by that, I mean, it, I call it a, the ministry of presence. Ooh. You're sitting with that individual um, yeah, a prime example that often comes up in our lives is somebody who loses a loved one. And you're like, what do I say? You know, mm-hmm. s- sit with them, check in with them. Um, I often, if, if an individual loses their husband, for example, I will mark down in my calendar a year out mm-hmm. from the anniversary date and then send, you know, a prayer, a text, what have you, um, that first anniversary as well. So just some intentional checking in without feeling like you have to fix or say the one thing that's going to make grief go away because that's not how grief works. Um, And a phrase that I often will say, especially in those very, very initial moments when we have learned that the bottom has dropped out is simply Lord have mercy um, or Lord draw near uh, I, I very much have a heart for turning people to Jesus, not to me or, mm-hmm. or not to the latest self-help book or not to, not even necessarily to scripture. Um, although often, uh, you know, a certain Bible verse will come to mind, but even more just that presence of Jesus, you mm-hmm. know, just the fact that he promises we're, we're never left alone you know, he he will never leave us or forsake us. And we need his presence in those times more than any other time. Um, So those, those two phrases I have 
said um, for myself and and for others, even on a nationwide and worldwide level, when we hear about major catastrophes, uh, whether they be Mother Nature or um, by human hand, uh, that's often what I will say out loud. You know, Lord have mercy, um, Lord draw near. I love that. I actually, when I was reading your book, those were two of the phrases that I wrote down. I'm like, I mm. love that. And that was in your section called make me a better prayer, mm -hmm. right? There are times when my prayers have been so amazing and awesome. And there's times, <laughs> you know, you, you get a little lax in them. If things are good, it's so interesting that we have that pattern, but I loved that whole section on, on becoming better with our prayers. And I loved that, the, you know, you said, exhale and say, Lord, have mercy, and then inhale and say, Lord, mm. Jesus, draw near because we need him. And, and we can say those prayers for others, or like you said, for the nation, for the world, we all need him. I know I was at a, a writer's retreat just this past weekend, and there was a couple of um, authors who happened to be there who had lost children. And it was interesting to see them sitting side by side and talking and some of the phrases, I wish I could have recorded the conversation, Tracy, mm, yeah. because they can't write fast enough. <laughs> I know. I was like, oh my gosh, I should have like pulled out my phone and hit record because it was interesting to hear them talking with each other. I'm so sorry. How are you doing today with that? You know, just because and I thought that was such an interesting thing. And would you like to share with me about your story? Mm, Feel comfortable. Yeah. And so they, it was, it was so sweet to watch the questions that were asked from one to the other. And then the sharing that happened. And of course, tears, tears happened as well, but yeah. it was sweet afterwards to go up and just hug and, and no words were needed. Yeah sometimes just being present and giving them a hug and just saying, I love you mm -hmm. is all the ministry that someone needs as, as they're going through healing. And, and I think that was another thing I learned as I watched them, because they were trying to describe to another gentleman at the table, how um, you go through the stages of grief, but, but it still cycles. Yeah. You no, know, it, it's not like you go through it and you're done but mm -hmm. you go through it and you'll still have days where all of a sudden it's so raw and so hard. And, and so be sensitive that even though your friend may have lost a spouse or a child or someone else that they love, that that grief and that rawness, them needing Jesus in their lives is going to be necessary over and over and over and just be sensitive to that you know? Yes. Yeah. So it's, it's a tricky thing. Um, now there was a point in your book that I absolutely loved where you talked about the word abide. We're going to take a quick break, but when we get back, we'll have more lessons, tips, and things you can apply to your life. Stay tuned. Hey, my friends, it's Tamara K. Anderson, and I need your help. I am gearing up for a wonderful Christmas season this year, and I need your stories to be part of it. I'm launching a new part on my podcast that I'm going to start doing every holiday season called Holiday Stories of Hope. And so I would love to hear 
your stories that you and your family have had happen to you during the holidays that have inspired hope in Christ, hope in your family, stories that perhaps you've passed down for generations, or perhaps it's something that's happened to you personally. So if you have a story you would love to share, if you wouldn't mind coming on a Zoom call with me and recording it, we can do it in 5, 10, 15 minutes. And then I will be sharing that this November and December with my audience so that we can all be inspired by your story of hope. If you're interested, go to my website, TamaraKAnderson.com and go to contact me and reach out to me that way and we'll get something set up. All right, guys, thanks for being such great supporters. And I look forward to sharing more of your stories of hope. Now, there was a point in your book that I absolutely loved where you talked about the word abide. I've always loved that word. Mm-hmm. It's not it's not a word we use very often in our in English today. You mm-hmm. know, it's kind mm-hmm. of in, in the scriptures, of course. But why do you think it's important to invite God to abide or to stay or to be with us? The start of that essay actually refers to John 15, 4. And it says, abide in me and I in you, as the branch is not able to bear fruit of itself. If it may not remain in the vine, so neither you, if you do not remain in me. And I that's where that word abide kind of got stuck in my mm-hmm. head. Um, mm-hmm. That John 15 is, is set right in the middle of the last conversation that Jesus had with his disciples in the upper room before going to be crucified and arrested, etc. And I've thought of those few chapters so much over the years, because if you were, if you knew that your death was imminent, but, you know, fast approaching, what would be the things that you wanted to say in your final words to your most loved individuals? And that word abide really sticks out to me. Um, did, did a little searching on, on what that word means. And it's all, it's the things that we, most of us would guess, you know, there's a, there's a dwelling, there's a almost a fixation. You know, I I also reference a lot of hymns in the book. Uh, As I mentioned, Mm -hmm. grew up in a little country church and those are the songs in my heart. Um, But that whole idea of turning your eyes on Jesus, fixing your eyes on Jesus. And that essay actually appears towards the very end of the book, because I really want to drive home the fact that all of these things we talked about and you don't have to do them all the way I wrote. You don't have to um, get them just right. Again, constantly pushing against this idea of a to-do list, of a have to. But these tried and true things are how we abide. Mm. They are um, the way that we are able to shut out the distracted world, look away from the shaky ground, turn our eyes on the solid ground that is Christ, our, our rock. And if we create a habit of doing that on a regular basis, then when the bottom drops out, we know what to do. Mm. And we've already been doing it. And the routines have already been put in place. 
It won't make the situations go away, but it will make yeah. them easier. And as we abide with Christ, he abides with us. And then you don't ever go through any of those shaky times alone. And that's yeah. everything, you know, yeah. to know, to know in your heart of heart of hearts that you're not going through it alone. He is there. He's always been there. Like you referenced earlier, you can look back at your past. Um, for me, I do a lot of looking back at church history. I look back over the scriptures. I, there's so much evidence of God never, never left. We've never been abandoned. And mm -hmm. I think that's what we need to know most when times are shaky. Yeah. Well, and, and as the world is I don't know. It seems like the pandemic just hit the fast forward button on the on 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 the signs of the times, and we're heading faster than ever <laughs> towards Jesus coming again. To which I say, "Come on, hurry it up already!" You know. <laughs> but but the you know those prophecies are are uh, sometimes not very positive. <laughs> you know, there there's some scary stuff associated with that, and so. I, I like the idea of, of establishing these rhythms or these patterns in our lives now, even more than ever, because it's going to get worse before it gets better. And so we need to have these patterns in our lives and, and be abiding in Christ to help us get through the, the natural disasters and, and, and the crazy stuff that, that we're going through right now in, in our nation, in the world. Um, so that we're ready when he comes, you know, we're so conditioned to quick fixes. Um, you know, we, we think we could pick up one devotional book and it takes about 30 seconds to read it. And we go off with our day, you know, may not talk to God the rest of the day at all, but that, we're uh -huh. good. And I just don't see a abundant life Christianity. You can be a Christian and do that. You know, mm -hmm. I'm not, I'm not here to debate that. I, and I definitely write about this in the book too. I want all of Jesus I can get. Mm -hmm. I want that full abundant. I love the word abundant. Um, I love the word lavish that he lavishes his love on us. I, I think there's levels of maturity, levels of um, relationship with Jesus that we can mm -hmm. have. And these practices get you closer. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I think you've hit the nail on the head. Sometimes um, I look back on my life and it was those hardest times, those times when I was grieving that my life wasn't going to look like how I thought it would because my kids were diagnosed on the autism spectrum and it yeah. was so, so challenging and hard. I mean, it was physically taxing. It was emotionally taxing. And yet it was in those moments when I was grieving and my heart was broken that I got the closest to him because it was too hard to do on my own. And so I remember begging and pleading for him to take those situations away God, I know you can feel them, yeah. make, make all this go away, get better. And yet I can now look back on that and see, you know, that was the very thing that helped me learn to abide in Christ, that helped me realize that I can do all things through Christ. 
not that it made it any easier, but um, sorry, I'm getting all teary and I don't <laughs> always get teary on my podcast, but very tender time, right? Where um, sometimes it's those very hard things that give us the relationship with God that we need to get through the rest of our lives. We're so much better off when we don't just say, I can do all things. That through Christ is probably more important than any, any other two words. And, and mm-hmm. it's probably not two words in Greek. I don't know. <laughs> more than those, any other two words in that whole verse. Yeah. Um, that, that's where we get our strength. And yet there, there's certainly times when we don't even think we have strength for the day. Amen. You know, um, I, I, I don't remember if I included this in the book or not, but in that time period where we are looking for a home and kind of, you know, in limbo for those six and a half years, I remember a very specific car ride where I just was out on my own and I drove to a park in a nearby town and I just sat and just wept. And I said, God, I don't know what you expect me to do. Like, you know, similar to what you mentioned, I thought, man, if I get this one thing figured out in life, the lesson will be learned. (laughs) Or, um, you can, you can find us a house tomorrow. You're God. Mm -hmm. You can find us the house we want tomorrow. I mean, we just think that I know you can, and you're not. Mm -hmm. So what does that mean? Where, Mm -hmm. where does that leave us? And best case scenario, it leaves us turning to him. Yeah. Because you may not get the answers and he may still not work as quickly as you think he should, but you get him. Mm. And and it's worth it. Um, yeah, it is. Um, and so sometimes I look, I look back on that time now and I'm thankful for it. I'm thankful. I went through that hard time because it gave me the relationship with Jesus that I have needed ever since. Mm, And, and, And it gave me the knowledge that he was with me. He was with me through the awful decade that it was, it seemed of hardly any sleep of cleaning up poof up poop off the carpet because he wouldn't it was really hard to potty train one of my kids and he was with me when you know I had one that was constantly running away and running towards traffic he just had no concept of danger and my stress level was through the roof and I just remember thinking I I don't think I can do it Um, and the truth is I wouldn't have been able to do it without him Mm -hmm. I sure tried to do it on my own, but, but I think that's another thing I learned is that that whole concept, and I think you talk about this in the book, of us having to be strong enough to do everything on our own, it, it was never meant to be that way. Yeah. That we are, we are not strong enough to go through the challenges of life on our own, and we don't have to. We can lean on God, and then God often sends angels into our, into our path. Yeah. In, in with other people, sometimes they're people we can't see from the other mm-hmm. side, uh, but but God never leaves us alone. He's there with us. He sends people to minister to us, and and that was what I learned that I had to be humble and and accept those people into my life, and they became some of my dearest friends because yeah. they were with me in those just god awful times when. Yeah. <laughs> and what a gift to look back now on the other side of it. And we don't, we still don't know why 
you know, God made your particular children the way he did. Yeah. But they're beautiful and they're perfect and they're exactly as God intended. And you're the mom he intended and your friend, you know, you're able to see him at work and him um, providing in different ways. And yes. And again, that ties with abide as well. Yes. Because if you're not abiding in him, you might still be stewing about the fact that life didn't go exactly as you had planned. Yeah. I, I know that's, that's one of the things that I've noticed is, is often when you hit a situation like that and you feel like God isn't answering you, that it's almost like you're on a teeter-totter and you tip one of two ways. You either tip towards God or you tip away from him. Mm-hmm. And I chose to tip toward, and I think because I did, he helped soften my heart and he helped heal my soul. And that's the way healing goes. But sometimes mm-hmm. people get bitter and angry and I'm not saying I never felt anger because I did, <laughs> you know, I think it's part of the process some days. Um, but, but there is a choice in there. Mm-hmm. And even if you've been angry, you can still tip towards God, you know? Yes. I was going to say, I, I, that's such an important point. And in, in the section on prayer, I really look at that and specifically in um, the gift of the Psalms that we have received. Uh, I loved from, that from section Judaism. on the gift of the Psalms. Yeah. Hey, keep it, going. Talk about this. No, that's this good. is super well, awesome. And again, if I remember the phrase correctly, no matter what emotion you're feeling, there's a Psalm for that. <laughs> and that's what I unpack. You, that anger, I, I'm stepping into your world a little bit. I assume you directed a lot of that at God. Oh, yeah. We had some pretty frank conversations (laughs) and you're allowed to, and and not just you, all of us. And that's what I think is so important to point out at this, at that point in the conversation, we can bring any emotion we have to him. He can take it. Uh, He wants to know us that fully. And he wants to know that we trust him with every bit of us and all of the emotions that we are feeling that's not exactly what church society teaches us. (laughs) I know, right? All of of the time. But if you take a deep dive into those Psalms, that is exactly what David's doing. He lets God have it. It, And almost all, I I did another section that I was really pleased with what I learned uh, was a section on lament. And again, another phrase that we don't even use much in our church world. I think they might hear it more in um, Judaism, et cetera. But what I, what I really loved that I learned about lament is that it is bringing these raw emotions to God, but it always ends up praising him. Yes. And that might be a weak praise. The first few yes. times you do it. Yes, that it might is. be a, but you're still good, <laughs> but if, if you take it long enough, and if you read those Psalms, especially those that are tagged as Psalms of lament, he is good and he's mighty and he's our healer and he's our creator and, and make those your mantras whenever you're going through these hard, hard times and you're angry and you're hurt and you're confused, shaky ground, right? Um, th- those Psalms can be a great balm as well. And I'm so glad you dove into those. I I have several that are favorites 
you know, or that have become mm. favorites through the mm. years. I think they have mean, at, personal at, meaning. Yeah. At different times yeah. in your life, you'll, you'll read something. You're like, Oh, that is so how I'm feeling right now. <laughs> you know, that I feel like I've been abandoned and I feel like nobody knows where I am. I feel like oh, I'm trying to remember the one that I found a couple years ago, but it like described my experience to a T and I'm yeah. like, oh, I'm not the only one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, David probably went through it too. <laughs> well, and I'm glad he wrote it down, but I think, I think yeah. there's a lesson in that too, that it is okay to write down how we're feeling because it's part of our journey. Mm-hmm. You know, they talk about journaling being, um, a very cathartic way to heal sometimes. And, 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 and as writers, we know how that is, right? My journaling is writing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. But, but what a blessing that David wrote these Psalms so that we can read them now. And, and if you're wondering, should I write those hard times that I go through? Yes. Because maybe someday one of your ancestors, your kids or something will read that and go, oh my goodness, I never knew mom felt that way or dad felt that way. And yet they stayed true to God, even though they felt like they were at rock bottom, Mm -hmm. you know? So the process too, of taking it from your mind, your heart to words on paper, help you understand what what you're experiencing and kind of give some clarity you know as you're talking I'm like some things I'm not gonna let my daughter read I'm gonna burn (laughs) (laughs) you know and that's okay too there was still something cathartic that happened in the process yeah well and I've done several uh experiences through the years where you know I've I've written something and burned it or shredded it or ripped it into little pieces but sometimes it helps just to get it out Absolutely. Um, because I think when it sets inside our souls, it can sometimes canker and, and you need to get it out. And, and, and God is good about helping you figure out the way to help you heal in your process. You know, mm-hmm. I just remembered one other thing I'd love for us to just quickly talk about before we close. And that is the idea of the importance of unity as, as followers of Christ. One of the things you you uh, talk about in the book is the danger of making blanket statements about Christian Mm. sex. You you know, that I printed it out because it was so good. You said blanket statements don't help us get to know each other, get to know one another, or leave us open to finding Christ at work among us. It needs to stop. Our witness depends on it, Mm. that they all may be one as you father in me are in me and I am in you they may also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. And you kind of italicize that last part that if we are truly Christians um, and are pointing to Christ, then we need to stop this bickering amongst ourselves. I don't know. What would you have to say to add to that? That's probably my life work. (laughs) I kind of, I kind of feel like uh, much of my time on social media is, is spent helping us learn to get to know one another, reminding us that that is a good thing, Um, Mm -hmm. focusing a whole lot less on how we're different and where another group might have it wrong and understanding why they believe 
you know, a, a particular way. And I could give you example after example of that. Um, but the, the last part of that passage that you read points again to those final words of Jesus. Jesus has very few words to say before he heads um, to, to what he knows will ultimately be his crucifixion. And that's what was on his mind. Mm-hmm. And, and now I will get teary because like I say, it's, it, um, God has laid this on my heart and does not let go. We don't seem to care about that sometimes. Um, we're perfectly content being Catholic and having Catholic brothers and sisters, but really we're Christian Catholic, really Mm -hmm. we're Christian Methodist, Mm -hmm. Christian Quaker. And yeah, that's something I, I focus on in this book. I focused on it a great deal in the first book as well. And people get a little nervous when you say unity, uh, they also get nervous when you say ecumenical, uh, which is that idea of being Christian, but having things that we don't agree on, ways that we're different. Um, that's, that's a good general basic and, um, definition of that word. That's okay to have those conversations too. Uh, I, I'm not at all saying we need to all figure out a way to agree on one form of baptism. Good luck. Um, <laughs> what I am saying is Christ is bigger and more than we can imagine, certainly more than we have figured out. And I think he's big enough for all of us. You know, whenever writers release books, sometimes they're like, I'm kind of nervous about my mom reading this part, you know, <laughs> or whatever. Um, I, I wrote an essay on Mary in my book. And growing up Southern Baptist, I probably never even just said Mary. I probably always said Joseph and Mary. Uh-huh. Joseph and Mary, parents of Jesus. and. There are other traditions in the body of Christ who view Mary with a great deal more significance than what I grew up knowing. Um, And I read a book called Harp of Glory. It's referenced uh, in this essay in the book. It's uh, an Ethiopian Orthodox prayer book. And they introduced me to a Mary that was so much bigger and uh, truly a vessel that carried God, which she was. Mm -hmm. Um, And there were times I would, I read that prayer book over a period of months as my opening time of prayer each day. And there were times I was like, Whoa, can I, can I pray that? (laughs) You know, I I mean, there's this, um, I, I don't know that I will ever understand Mary in quite the same way they do, but they taught me. Mm-hmm. And I do love to think about Mary carrying the the young human body of Christ in her womb. That changes my heart when I focus on that mm-hmm. in that particular way. And I say in there, I, I don't know if Mary prays for me. If I find out she has, oh, how, how awesome that right. Mary would think of, that any saint wouldn't think of me. I don't mm-hmm. pretend to have all those things figured out. And I don't point to one or two verses and say, well, I definitely have it figured out. That's not at all my approach anymore in my Christian walk. I just consider 
how they view Mary. I consider the words that they beautifully wrote down in this prayer book. I consider how Jesus um, would have thought of his earthly mother. Like I say, if you don't close your mind to, I don't do that. Mm -hmm. But instead, let your heart reflect on what that might mean or on what God must have thought of Mary. You can have beautiful thoughts that you're comfortable with Mm -hmm. because you have opened yourself to that, humbled Uh, yourself to that. Yeah. I think it all goes back to you know, the first two great commandments to love God and to love your neighbor as yourself. Mm, I think if we approach each other with an eye of love, that it solves so many problems, you know, and it helps us be more united and we can be united in Christ and all abide in him. There's room for everybody, right? (laughs) Yeah. Well, and when I am on social media, I often try to take the approach of who is this person? Because if you don't remember that they're a person (laughs) who has a history and who has a family, you know, all of the things that make us human, then you're going to say something rude and stupid and hurtful and close your own heart in the process. And I just Mm. don't want to live that way. Well, you are a great example for all of us. And I'm I'm just thankful that you're willing to um, stand up and be a voice for love and unity. I think I think there needs to be more of it as the world seems to try to divide us more and more. So thank you for doing that. It's an important job. And we need people like you to help remind us that we are all part of the body of Christ. Now, Tracy, has there been a Bible verse that has become particularly meaningful to you as you have uh, navigated your own life journey? Well, if I'm pressed <laughs> to, to give a life verse, that's a kind of a common term for it. I usually point to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Um, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. All your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. And you could almost take that line for line and just glean so many universal life truths from it. Mm-hmm. Um, that word trust, you could, you could sit there for a while because I think most of the anxiety and fear, confusion that I encounter in life often comes from a lack of trust in mm-hmm. who God is and in his guidance for me. Um, and I'm always careful to say whenever I say that just because of the, the world we live in, not all anxiety, not all fear, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, there, there's a a plethora of reasons to experience those things. But for me personally, it typically points to a lack of trust Mm -hmm. in what God is doing in my life and certainly in his timing. God and I talk a lot about timing. Uh, Yes. Timing. (laughs) Wow. That's a big one, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. But no, that, that verse has I can think of many milestones in my faith journey where that verse has been applicable and front and center. Very, very, very true. So tell us where we can find this new amazing book of yours and how we can find you on social media. 
Yes. Well, the book itself, um, there is a website called bookshop.org and it's, it's been around two or three years now, but what I like about bookshop.org is that they, when you purchase a book from them, they give you the option of entering your local bookstore and they get a proceed of the cost of the book. Yeah. And so it, and it's the same price as you would get it, you know, at Amazon or in my books, even on walmart.com, I checked. So, that was kind of cool. <laughs> so yeah, you can order it at any of the regular places and you can go in certainly to your own independent bookstore and request it. They're able to get, you know, anything from my publisher. And then personally, you can find me at, I do have a um, website. I don't write blog posts as regularly as I did in the beginning, but it's all still there. I have a specific section that your listeners might be interested in called all the churches and anything Mm. I've ever written about a church I visited or um, any, you know, material that is specifically church related will be found there. And that website is tracesoffaith.com. It's kind of my tag on social media too. Facebook and Instagram are traces of faith blog and my absolute favorite Twitter is <laughs> Traces of Faith. <laughs> so yeah, Twitter's become a, uh, a a playground, if you will, for the church conversations that we have. I've met a number of, it's such an interesting mix. It could be somebody who has like their doctorate in the Greek language. And then, you know, a, a mom who just picked their child up from, from daycare at 11 and it's going to put her down for a nap soon. I mean, it's just the greatest Uh mix of individuals. That's what I like about it. That is so fun. Oh, and that's actually where I found Tracy. I was, I I happened upon upon her on Twitter. And as I was reading what she was writing, I'm like, I like her. And oh, she's got a new (laughs) book coming out and I should read it. And I want to have her on my show. (laughs) Here we are. (laughs) But thank you so much for, for writing this book for putting it into words so that we too can know what rhythms and patterns we can implement to our lives right now so that when we hit a shaky ground moment, we are abiding in Christ. So thank you for writing that and for sharing it with us. And I will put all those links in the show notes so people can find both you and your book. Well, thank you again for having me and, and for the work that you do. Um, you know, it, it takes lots and lots of voices to keep us encouraged in Christ. So it thank does. you. Hey, thanks so much for listening to today's show. If you like what you heard, subscribe so you can get your weekly dose of powerful stories of hope. I know there are many of you out there who are going through a hard time, and I hope you found useful things that you can apply to your own life in today's podcast. If you would like to access the show notes of today's show, please visit my website, storiesofhopepodcast.com. There you will find a summary of today's show, the transcript, and one of my favorite takeaways. You know, if someone kept coming to mind during today's episode, perhaps that means that you should share this episode with them. Maybe there was a story shared or a quote or a scripture verse that they really, really need to hear. So go ahead and share this podcast. May God bless you, especially if you are struggling with hope to carry on and with the strength to keep going when things get tough. 
Remember to walk with Christ and he will help you bear the burden. And above all else, remember God loves you.